0: we are a couple of weeks in into our I am series and and this is looking in the book of John and John is the best John is the best we've got Matthew Mark Luke and John yeah and you know it's really good you've got like the tax collector and then you've got the doctor in there and they're all very practical and we need practical we need the facts we need to know that we've got this right but John john is the artist john is the deep thinker he's he's taken his time he uh, wrote this down a lot later on than um the rest of the gospels because he thought about it and he he wanted the deeper meaning to everything and so every little thing that's in the book of john is actually pointing to a purpose it's pointing to the reason of jesus or the character of jesus there's nothing in there just as a kind of casual aside and what's really cool is that in the old testament when moses um just stumbles in upon like actual god like the real god and he does what we all would do i think if you really met god and you'd be like oh my gosh you're real um which one are you like which one was right you know like who's right are you this person's god are you this person's god but god was like i'm not playing your games I'm not going to fit into your human religion, and you can't put me in a box. I am. I am. I am who I am. And so in the book of John, when Jesus says, I am, he is is alluding to the fact that he is God. So let's jump into our passage. We're going to be reading today from... Um, John 8 verses 12 verse 20 if you have your Bibles and what we're gonna see is that because Jesus is saying I am and the Pharisees know what this means and this really riles them because they're like I know this implication I know what you're saying and this is not okay so let's have a look John 8 verse 12 to 20 when Jesus spoke again to the people he said I am the light of the world Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The Pharisees challenged him. Here you are, appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. Jesus answered, even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid, for I know where I came from and where I'm going. But you have no idea where I come from or where I'm going. You judge by human standards. I pass judgment on no one. But if I do judge, my decisions are true, because I'm not alone, I stand with the Father who sent me. In your own law, it is written that the testimony of two witnesses is true. I am one who testifies for myself, my other witness is the Father who sent me. Then they asked him, where is your Father? You do not know me or my Father, Jesus replied, if you knew me, you would know my Father also. He spoke these words whilst teaching in the temple courts near the place where the offerings were put. Yet no one seized him, because his hour had not yet come. I'm just going to move this forward a little bit. So the other thing that I absolutely love in John um, is numbers. Um, like there's, if you like numbers, like me, I love maths. and. Um, In the book of John Jesus says I am seven times and as I said with John everything has a reason and the number seven in the Bible is the number of perfection or the number of completion so he really is saying I am God I am the same I am of the Exodus of the Old Testament And as we saw in that reading, because he's saying that he is two witnesses, he is both himself and then has his father who's with him, what he's alluding to there is the Trinity. And I love this because I found out a few years ago that the Trinity isn't actually mentioned in the New Testament. And this really freaked me out. It's like, oh my gosh, have we made all of this up? (laughs) Like, is Jesus actually, you know, part of God? But actually, thanks to John, there's so much in John about the Trinity. And by him saying, I'm with my Father, he's saying, I'm not a God, I'm not another God, I am two parts. I am, this is two parts of the Trinity. So, as you know, I have the privilege to talk to you guys today on I Am the Light of the World. And um, I so for those of you who don't know, I'm an artist. Um, if you've ever been to Balam, my work's up on the walls, and feel free to come and ask me about my art later. And I suspect that the the big dogs um, asked me to do "I am the light of the world" because I'm an artist, and we're always studying light and dark and what that means. And hopefully, they think I have something to say on that. Um, so. Um, Every good sermon I heard is meant to have three points. And if it's really of God, all three points are meant to begin with the first letter, right? Have you all heard that? Yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But I think I'm starting to get quite desensitized to this structure. So like in the moment I'll be in the sermon, I'll be like, yes, this is so good, this is so good. And then I go home and someone's like, what was the sermon on? And I'm like, yes, I remember it was the three Ps. It was um, prayer and power and prohibition I can't really remember (laughs) so we're gonna go a little bit more abstract in the spirit of John if anyone's read Revelation you will know that John loves to do abstract right so still got my three points I'm gonna throw you some curveballs let's get to my first point why Jesus is a light bulb and not a paint pot why is jesus like a light bulb and not a paint pot well okay right bear with me so as i said i'm an artist i love to paint i'm always painting and the problem is that the dark colors are so much stronger than the light colors so if i'm working with white paint if i got a drop of black paint in this white paint then the whole thing's gray And as a prophetic artist, I'm very, in a cliché way, painting light kind of shining into the darkness. And what happens is I paint on my canvas, I paint all these bright colours, and then I start putting the dark on, and they so easily just take over the whole canvas, and it's so annoying, and then I have to paint the white on top, but it's not quite as strong, and it's very difficult. But, What light does, if you've ever been in a dark room, you turn on the light, darkness just flees, it cannot exist. Darkness cannot exist in the presence of light. I don't know if you guys have heard, there's, um, like, there's a story that goes around online, you might see it on your Facebook page every now and then, about um, a student and his atheist professor. Sometimes it's said that it was Einstein, unfortunately I think it's just a story, but it's a really good story. And so basically the atheist professor is like, if God created everything, then God created evil. And this, this bold student stands up and he says, sir, do you believe in cold? And the professor's like, of course I believe in cold. And the guy's like, well, actually, we have no way of measuring cold. We only have ways of measuring heat. The coldest we can measure is when there's zero heat. It's minus 300 and something degrees. And that's just when we run out of heat. We have no way of measuring cold. We just have heat. And then he goes, sir, do you believe in darkness? And the professor's like, well, yeah, we see darkness. And he goes, actually. We have no way of measuring darkness. All we have is how to measure light, how light something is. We can use Newton's prism and we can break light up into six different colors. We can study it. We have no way of studying what darkness is. There's no such thing as like a a thing that makes things darker. And then he says, sir, do you believe in evil? And the professor's like, of course, I believe in evil. There's so much badness in the world. This is what I'm talking about. And he goes, evil does not exist unto itself. Evil is the byproduct of when there is no God. God exists, and evil. when God exists, evil flees. So Jesus claiming that he is the light of the world is the most perfect analogy that he could have used. Because unlike any other example he could have used, he's suggesting that he is so not of evil that evil cannot exist in his presence. Evil would flee at the nearest touch. Okay, cool. On to my second point. You're not going to be able to guess what it is. So tell me about your superpower. Tell me about your superpower. So, of course, I've already um, touched on, on one characteristic of what it is to be the light of the world. But like, imagine a superhero battle, okay? And that shouldn't be hard. There's been a lot of them recently. And we've got our unlikely hero from Nazareth venturing forth. This is Jesus. And he can make himself really really bright I mean that sounds cool but I don't really don't really get it yet you know and and okay so the previous thing I was talking about he does have the power to make evil run away from him yeah but if the book of John is to show the purpose of Jesus that doesn't sound like the Jesus I know the purpose of Jesus is to bring people in towards him so if Jesus only superpower is becoming so bright that all the bad guys run away. That doesn't sound quite right. So to unlock this, what we need to do is read the passage before, just before he says, I am the light of the world, which is a woman caught in adultery. So if you had your Bibles open or on your phone, you just flick forward a couple of pages before. So from verse one, Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives. But early the next morning, he was back again at the temple. A crowd soon gathered and he sat down and taught them. As he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who'd been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. Teacher, they said, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer, so he stood up again and said, All right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the women. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the women, Where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, Neither do I go and sin no more and i think this really unlocks the purpose and the character of jesus because what jesus wants is to bring people into relationship with him he wants to bring sinners into relationship with him and in this verse the sinner isn't just the adulterous woman it's the pharisees he's convicting them he wants to essentially bring them into relationship with him now Bear with me, because what I'm about to do is a massive speculation, okay? I want to speculate what Jesus was writing in the dust with his fingers, um, and a bit dodgy, I know, but I've done some research, and a lot of people agree with me online. So, one thing... (laughs) Good people, I promise, not just... Anyway, um, so one thing I think Jesus could have been doing is writing the sins of the Pharisees. Um, And the reason why I think this is because Jesus died for us so that God can look on us without sin, okay? When God looks in the book of life, it's only going to be our victories written in there and not our sins, yeah? And so that makes sense because dirt is so temporary and it, and it was so quick that whoever was there recording it didn't have time to write what he wrote in the dust, And and writing something in the debt is able to be forgotten. You know, at the end of the story, it can just be rubbed out and no one will know. But the fact is, Jesus did know our sins. He just chose not to make them a permanent spectacle. Another speculation, though, is um, through researching Hebrew history. So what would happen when two people were caught in adultery was that the woman and the man would be brought to the Nikonah temple gates And they would both be accused and the witnesses who saw it would be gathered and confirmed and then there was like a certain ceremony to bring judgment on them and in this case we only have the woman and i didn't even notice any witnesses there either so what the pharisees were actually doing was a violation of oral law and of god and what was then required, once these things were done, was the priest was required to stoop down and write the law that had been broken and the names of the accused in the dust on the floor of the temple. So what Jesus was doing was he was choosing to take the role of the priest, and he showed them that even though they weren't keeping the law, he would do it anyway. So in either one of these two speculations that I have, what well, we could say is that Jesus was bringing the sins of the Pharisees into the light. There we go. We got there in the end. I got back to light. And um, that's the power. Like, that is what the power of being light is. You're illuminating the situation. If I'm, like, quite confused about something, if I can't work it out, I might say, Matt, can you shed some light on this, please? You know, I'm saying, I didn't get it. Shine your light on it, then I get it. And so often we have a situation that we're keeping in the dark and it needs to be brought into the light. Often it's the worst things about us that we choose to keep in the dark because we believe they're too ugly or they're too big or they're too shameful. And I think it's a little bit often, I'm wearing the wrong shoes for this today, but it's a little bit like when you have a stone in your shoe and it's rubbing and it hurts and it feels massive. But then actually you get to the end of the day And you bring it out, and you're like, what? This is so small, really? Like, this is the thing I've been keeping in the dark? It felt so big, and I've been obsessing over it. And it was just a tiny little pebble that I was keeping in my shoe. And so this is what we need to be doing. We need to be asking God to shine his light on whatever it is that we're keeping in the darkness. I sometimes get so angry when I come across people And they won't share the thing that's burdening them because I just see them hurting themselves so much, just like choosing to keep a stone in their shoe. It's probably a much smaller thing than they realize it's probably a lie or it's probably a real thing, but it's much smaller. And they're not gonna see that until they bring it into the light and see that we can all help them out. Now, please don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that we should all tell everyone all of our stuff. I mean, it would make a really interesting Vineyard 61 Facebook page, but I don't think that's necessary. But I would be so bold that we do need to tell God and we do need to tell one person, at least. But one person, let's go with that. So why God? Okay, well, let's not forget that God is the only one with the power to take our sins away. He is the only one with the power to forgive us, to actually take this stone out of our shoe. And why someone? Well, for that I have two reasons. Number one, um, if you're in addiction, say, say you've got this thing going on and you're keeping it private. And it's so easy to be like, it's fine, I have this thing and I bring it to God and then he forgives me and then I'm fine. And then I kind of do it again, but it's fine because then I bring it to God and he forgives me. And we get ourselves stuck in this cycle over and over again. But actually, guys, it's not helpful. Like, that's not actually going to help you with your sin doing that. And it's not real repentance either. Telling someone brings the problem into the light for you both to look at it and work out how you're going to stop it. And that's what accountability is. Every time, if you have an accountability partner, that's what I have, and it's such a blessing because every time you see that person, they're going to say, What's the state of your pebble? You know? If they're a good friend, they're going to keep bringing that pebble into the light again and again, and you're going to want to get control of whatever that thing is. And guys, this isn't just me and my wisdom having a go at you, this is actually in the Bible, thankfully. So um, you can see in James 5. And you can have a quick read of it. But basically, just to paraphrase, you can see in the first verse here, so this is five fifteen sixteen. 16. And in the first verse, it talks about if you've sinned and you bring it to God, you'll be forgiven. But then in the second verse, it says confess your sins to each other. It says if you bring your sins to each other, you can bring them out in the open so that you might be healed. Yeah, it's good, isn't it? Okay, so my second reason to tell someone is that if you've hurt someone, or if they've hurt you, you can't resolve the situation in the dark. You need to bring it into the light. You need to take it into the light to fix it. Now, I, I know this is quite a heavy thing to say, and I know there's like much bigger problems than the things I'm gonna talk about today. And if it is abuse, it might take a very long time to be ready to bring that into the light, and you take your time. But in the day-to-day stuff, we need to be doing that. So, for example, a couple of weeks ago, I was helping Paul. This is Paul, our resident Jesus look-alike over there. And um, I was helping Paul move house. um, And... if you look at him you understand he had the role of all the heavy lifting taking things downstairs and I had the role of stacking everything into the van and making sure it all fit and we got to one of the last loads and he hands me this pile of boxes and just as he walks around the corner the top box falls off and makes a very uncomfortable noise (laughs) and I'm like okay so I eased my way in and I just said Paul um what was, what was in the last pile of boxes that you gave me? And he's like, oh, it's just books. And I was like, phew. And he goes, oh, and my projector. Guys, I'm not going to lie. There was about five, I had about five minutes of thinking, keep this in the dark. You can probably blame this on the way that he's driving the van. <laughs> but I know better than that. So um, I, I, did, I, I, I did what I had to do. I brought it into the light. I told him. That I dropped it, and thankfully, he laughed it off and said it was cheap and old, and don't worry. And I can't promise you that when you do that, you'll have such a good reaction, especially if some of the things you're bringing to the light wasn't an accident. Um, I can't think of like a less, like, disgusting analogy, but so you're just gonna have to bear with me and grate your teeth. But basically what I'm talking about is like having a massive really painful spot and to pop it is going to be really painful but actually some you just have to get all the crap out into the open for the healing to begin. It may hurt but it is necessary. So Jesus's power of illumination is not only to bring hope which is so great. You know when you're out in the cold and the dark and you see there's a house with the light on and you know it's warm. Like that is part of his power of illumination. But it's also to bring things into the light where darkness cannot exist in order to heal them. So now my third and final point, what's it gonna be? What could it possibly be that's not related? I'll have one broken pot, please. So just ignore that title for the moment. What I'm talking about is how can we harness and own the superpower? How can we have that superpower of illumination that Jesus has? Now, before we crack open, this last section of my talk let's see what I did there, crack open the last section of my talk, thank you um, I need to give you the warning label. Because actually, harnessing and owning this power that Jesus has, it doesn't always feel great and it doesn't always immediately achieve good results. Controversial, I know. Throughout my life, um, God has surrounded me in non-Christians, in fringe Christians, in agnostics. And when you really have said yes to Jesus, you naturally have this light inside of you. I want you all to look down at your chest right now, okay? And just imagine that you have this light pulsing inside of you. Now imagine standing up really carefully, because you don't want the light to go out, and you're going to walk out of this room, and you're going to go into a dark room. Now with this light pulsing up, yeah, you got it, you're all looking at me again, okay, well, cool. Um, you're going to encounter different types of people, and some of them are going to be like moths. Whether they know Jesus or not, they might have never even heard of Jesus, but they see this light, and they're like, they want it, they want to know something about it, they want to draw close to it, and that's a really good feeling. But other people that you're gonna encounter, they're gonna be more like certain kinds of spiders or bugs, and when they see the light, they're just naturally gonna cringe and want to run away. They're gonna flee. Now, the hope that we have is that the human heart always has the power to change. And when they are ready to come back, they will know that you are a steadfast friend, ready to give them the light again. But being this person, the person that doesn't enable other people's sins, we don't enable our friends' sins. We naturally desire the best for them and healing for them. Sometimes when we carry the exposing truth and light of God, when people who want to continue in their sin encounter you, they're going to choose to avoid you. And, and they might be a bit defensive towards you. And I know that doesn't feel good, but I just want to encourage you, but that's Jesus, okay? Look at who Jesus was in the Bible. People either loved him and ran towards him and cried on his feet and couldn't get close enough to him. They were so offended and so cringed by what they say, they plotted to kill him. So if that happens to you, you are actually doing the right thing. So that's my warning label. If you're still up for it, let's go ahead. Basically, you cannot try to be the light. A rock cannot try to be anything other than a rock, and nor should it. We have one sun in our sky that illuminates the whole world, just as we have one Christ who saved the whole world, and the world needs no more Christ than that. And guys, if we tried, if we tried like to strive to have this illuminating power of God, we would do it terribly. We'd be there acting all high and mighty. We'd be judging everyone. We'd be accusing everyone, being like, I'm being like, Jesus, this feels great, exposing every one of their sins. I know what you did last night. And we'd be forcing them to admit it. And what we would be doing is driving them much further away from Christianity than they ever were in the first place. So I'm going to finish this by um, showing you a picture. So as I mentioned, I'm an artist, and someone in our church commissioned me to paint them a picture. And what I decided to do was to base it on um, my favorite passage from 2 Corinthians 4, where it talks about us being like cracked clay pots. And basically, it talks about Jesus being the light that lives inside of us. And what we do is we put up all these barriers, and often we try and make them very glossy and very smooth. But the more broken we are, the more Jesus can shine out. The less barriers we have of shame or worldliness or pride, than we try and hide him away, then no one's going to see that superpower. All we need to do to carry God's superpower of light is to be less of us, to die to ourselves. And what I mean by that is, let's stop making Christianity all about ourselves. What's God doing for me and my journey and how I'm becoming this and I'm becoming that? Because what it's really about is like, let's let everything point back to Jesus again and what he did. Let's cut the cried the cried. Let's cut the crap. Let's cut the pride. Cut the pretending that we have it all together and we're a glossy super Christian. And just let Jesus be Jesus and us be less. I know for me it was a bit like this. So when I was sixteen, I mean I'd been a Christian all my life, but sixteen was when I really met Jesus for the first time. And I met the Holy Spirit. And it was incredible. Less burn than last week. It was so good. But very quickly, what happened is it became all about me, all about what a good Christian I am, all about how now I have all the answers. I'm the only Christian child in my family. Let me tell you everything. This is me at 16. And the light, people couldn't see it anymore. Now, can anyone guess what happened to show this light again? Just shout out. Hmm? I got burned. (laughs) That's actually a really good way of putting it. The thing that happened was suffering. Now, Jesus did not create the suffering just as light cannot create the darkness. God did not make the suffering happen. Just as light cannot create the darkness. But what he did do is he used my suffering to break me into a thousand tiny pieces and it really, really hurt. But what it did is it brought me on my knees to be an equal with everyone again to see that we're all in this situation together, to stop being my glossy high horse. Because guys, we all have stuff in the dark that needs to be in the light. We all put up barriers because the world hurts and it's so much easier just to hide God away. But it's only when we make room for him, it's only when we can admit that we're broken. And the more room we make for him, the more room there is for God to do his work. So let's pray, let's stand and pray. And as the band come up, I'm just going to say thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you are the light of the world. Thank you that there is no need for striving. Thank you, Jesus, that we do not need to take your role. Thank you, Jesus, that your light is so strong that darkness cannot exist. Thank you, God, for the honor that you should choose to live in us. You choose to work through us. Thank you, Jesus, that you love to see truth and light brought into the light to bring healing. And come, Holy Spirit, come show us what is it that we're keeping in the dark? Who do we need to tell? Who's that safe person? We can bring this into the light for your healing. We just declare, God, that we don't want to be paint. We don't want to be so easily affected by the dark colors. We want your light. We want darkness to flee from us, to run from us. Because we don't have our weak white paint. We have you. We have the power of your light.